Hey folks, for this episode of the show, I had Shaw Grigsby, John Cox, Keith Carson, and Ron Nelson on, all at the same time, all to talk about sight fishing, and it was really cool and something I think I'll probably try to replicate at some point in the future. Uh, it was great to hear them react to each other, uh, and to hear about you know how long they had ever spent on a bed, what kind of glasses they used. It, they also all at some point basically bragged about how good they are at seeing things, which was just incredible to listen to. I loved it. I love talking about fishing. I love listening to people talk about fishing. I especially love it when it's like true experts on the subject. That said, there were some audio issues. It really, we had a little issue with Ron at the beginning. Uh, Shaw was a little bit quieter throughout. I had some issues with getting separate streams, so I wasn't really able to fix that. Um, I think it's pretty listenable. There's really the main issue is probably that Shaw is a little quieter than I would like him to be, which is a bummer because Shaw's a baller. That said, all told, I think you can listen to it. I think it'll go well. If it's not good or not good enough, let me know because I try to maintain at least middle-of-the-road standards. Uh, I'm not shooting for perfection. Um, but anyway, give it a listen. If you like it, let me know. I think we're going to try and do more. I'm you know, kind of investing a lot more into the podcast lately. It's uh, been a fun, creative thing for me to do. And uh, anyway, here's the show. All right, we are joined now by like an absolute star-studded group of guests. Uh, we've got Ron Nelson, who's one of the best smallmouth sight fishermen I know and one of the best largemouth sight fishermen I know. Shaw Grigsby, who's a living legend. John Cox, who I have probably watched catch more big fish off beds and like probably anyone else. I feel like I've been around a lot of John Cox heroics and then Keith Carson, who is John Cox 2.0. He's kind of like a more handsome version of John Cox. (laughs) 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 And is also amazing at sight fishing. Uh, And I think all these guys made the cut at uh, Lake of the Ozarks last year or well this year, which was a, well, it was like the best sight fishing tournament of the year. So, I, first of all, guys, thanks for coming on. And I guess I want to start with, maybe we'll start with Keith. What was, what's like the best sight fishing event that you've ever been part of? You know, I mean, geez, in recent memory, I think Lake of the Ozarks is pretty good here this year. Uh, you know, going throughout practice, I was marking anywhere from 75 to 100 fish a day and, you know, maybe 10 or 15 a day over three and a half, four pounds. And, uh, you know, it was, um, they were just everywhere. It was, it was pretty incredible. You know, there, you didn't have the size, like you get on like Santee Cooper or Okeechobee or anything like that, but there's a lot of really good quality there. And, you know, finished up second place. So it wasn't a bad tournament. Um, but I mean, Cox and I have had some pretty good tournaments too, down here in Florida, some team tournaments, sight fishing, where we've caught 30 pound bags and, and stuff. But, uh, gosh, I don't know. There's just so many. Yeah. My, my most memorable one is the one, uh, the wolves and me and Keith fished. We were, we were running a, uh, it was the Crestliner VT19 with a 150. It had about 20 gallons of gas, and we ran from Palaka all the way to Monroe. And I think we would we get gas three times, or I don't know. It it, it was wild. Everybody yeah. was turning around in the lake because uh, because Lake George was so rough. So no one even went to the south end of Lake George, and we went all the way, whatever the 80 miles down there. And uh, as soon as we stopped, we had like, I think we had, what, five or six on bed. I threw to the first one, and Keith threw to the other yeah. one. And when he netted mine, his rod was going over. And we had two seven-pounders the first, like, I don't know, five minutes, you know. And, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, you know, we caught some other. And then running back, I was telling Keith, I'm like, man, you need to slow down. This is where the cops sit. And Keith was so jacked up, he kept you know, kind of going a little too quick in one of the slow speeds areas, and the guy stopped us, and uh, I was like, oh, we're done, you know, we're not going to get to make it away in, and uh, 
the guy's like, you guys really got 30 pounds? And we're like, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and then he was like, better go. You ain't going to make it. <laughs> so that was, that yeah. was my most he memorable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe the cops. We would have been DQ'd. Dude, that's incredible. You had a big bag and they let you off. Yeah. I don't don't think they've ever let anybody off at Astor area, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's so Keith has never gotten a slow speed uh, ticket ever. And like my kids were looking Never. me up the other day and they were like, dad, you know, you have all this stuff on there from, <laughs> you know, when I was like in high school, and, you know, and I was like, I didn't even know it has it on there, but it was all still on there. But for some reason, Keith, they always let Keith off. That's why I never yeah, drove. I, think I mean, you lost your license by 15. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had to get my mom to come out and drive a couple of the tournaments because it, I wasn't allowed. To, I think I had to. I wasn't allowed to drive it for like eight months or something. The boat, something crazy. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now you're the slowest driver I know, John. How did this happen? I know, I know. That's. I'm just. I'm just a lot nerve. I'm more uh, aware of what can happen now, after all those years of being in the boat. I guess you die at any second, pretty much. <laughs> Shaw, do you have? Yeah. Do you have one that sticks oh. out? Yeah, um, probably, you know, when it comes to sight fishing tournaments, probably that one that Rojas won was pretty amazing. I had won a BASS, I think the year before or two years before, uh, first day I had uh, 32 pounds. And when I came in, I think Russ Bringer was behind me. He had like 19. He was in second and I had 32 and I went on to win that tournament. Um and then when we had the Rojas one, it just things fell in place, you know, down there at Toho. And so I went out day one and I caught 32 pounds and I'm thinking I'm doing really good. And he comes in with like 45 and I went, holy smokes, I got to up the pace. And the next day I upped the pace. I got like 35 something and, and I still went back two more pounds. He caught like 37. I mean, it was like, what an amazing sight fishing deal. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I don't know if I'll ever experience anything like that again, but wow, that was fun. That was uh, 2001? Somewhere in there, 2000, 2001. I, I probably won, and uh, I know I had a, I don't know, 12, 13-pounder right to the, back then we actually had nets. Or maybe we didn't. I can't remember because I'm old. Anyway, I had him right to the boat. My partner was either getting ready to grab him or net him. He pulls off, and I'm like about to puke. <laughs> but, you know, that would have made a little bit of difference, but it still wouldn't have done much for uh, compared to what Rojas was doing. Yeah. So if it was the 2001 one, Rojas had yeah. 108 pounds to win that. Nice. Wow. Oh, gosh. Shaw, do you do you remember was that was was that right after a scrape or a couple years after a scrape or do you remember you remember how they used to scrape Toho? Yeah, um, so I, I don't think it had much to do with the scrape because it was still pretty, you know. But it, it was choked as, out pretty good. It, it wasn't as choked as what it gets now. But what right. had happened was the water temperature had gone down to the lowest degree I've ever seen in Florida. We went in the 40s, so it was like 48, I think. It may have even gone down to 47 or 46. It had gotten so cold for a few days there or a week or whatever, and we'd had a lot of cold snaps. And then all of a sudden, it warmed up. So we had like those, you know, the armored catfish, the costumes, all those things were dying, laying over on its side, all the – all the uh, uh, tilapia, all that, none of them can handle that cold weather, and and they all just got their butt kicked, and all of a sudden it starts to warm up. And day one, I you know I hardly got a practice, I hardly got a bite, and day two was really a struggle. And uh, day three, I go out, and all of a sudden I see beds just you know starting to be built, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, and and um, and and so I picked out a number of those, and I really had seen a few fish on that day three. That I said this is going to be good, and uh, and man, then the the tournament started, and it was like holy buckets, they were everywhere, biggins. 
and I underjudge. I don't know if you do this, John, but I'd see one on bed. I'd say, okay, that's an eight pounder. I'd throw out there, set the hook, catcher, and it's a ten something, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'd see another one, and like that big one that I lost. I said, man, that dude's probably ten. And that thing was like, you know, thirteen pounds. Oh I yeah. Got it up, and I'm like, <laughs> this is incredible to see how you know how you underjudge them at toho now I, I, a yeah. lot of places i'm pretty good but toho i don't know what the deal was whether it's just the 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 water color or clarity that you just don't get them exactly right they they're always way bigger than what you think they are right yeah no i agree with that for sure i, I think more like a you know like a beaver lake or some of those other places we go to i'm always over you know i always think it's a lot bigger than what they really are you know but Toho is definitely y'all. They you, every time when you set the hook on one there, you're always really impressed when yeah you get yeah. them in. Because I like I watched all like I remember watching it. You know, um, gosh, that and then just I mean even a lot of the old TV shows that you did. I mean, I don't know. Hey, so Shaw, so when you were running in the beginning of the TV show, you know you're running the that windy river. That's Wakiva, right? The first for the. For most of the time, it was Wakaiba, and then once we went uh, to high def, we did it at the Akawaha. You know, going oh, okay, from, yeah, going from Rot, uh, from uh, the St. John River to, to, to yeah, 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 because that's right where me and Keith live is right there at the uh, no, that right there it. at the Wakaiba. So like we remember when you'd go under that tree that was overhanging. So we would go out in our, our little John boat, and we were like, man, this is right where it was on TV. We'd run up <laughs> under there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty neat. We When we went high depth, we filmed it in the Akawaha, running from uh, St. John's to the dam at Rodman. Yeah. So, but we, you know, it took us a lot of years before we went high depth. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's when my parents kicked me out by then, so I don't think I had TV <laughs> for that for that version <laughs> but when i was living at home i was watching it shaw how many <laughs> tournaments have you won sight fishing because it's got to be a pile i'm i'm gonna say it is um since i won nine bass's and all of them but one have been sight fishing you know it's been a predominant part of i won one on lake sinclair on a spinnerbait and uh used to love throwing a spinnerbait so, uh, other than that, sight fishing's been primary, you know, and then of course other tournaments. Well, I won the Redman All-American. That was flipping and stuff. It's kind of interesting. Whatever you do, you know, when you do it, then you're tagged as that's what you do. So when I won the All-American in 84, I was tagged as a flipper because that's what I did. You know, I caught fish cranking and I caught fish flipping, but flipping, you know, not put me over the top and, and got me to win that one. So then I was a flipping guy and, and, you know, <laughs> It's just uh, you are what what you win. You know, that's pretty much what it is. Okay. I like it. Um, I guess we kind of got off on a tangent, but, Ron, what's the best sight fishing tournament you've ever been in? You know, that's kind of strange. I don't really have one that stands out at all. I mean, I guess maybe because I'm a northern guy, not having the the big 10-pound fish to catch up here. But we Did do you have this really small fish something on like Burt Mullet or something close where you guys had like 30 pounds of smallmouth. I feel like you might. No, no, I've actually never fished a tournament on Burton Mullet, believe it or not. It's only three hours from my house. Um, just never have. You know, if I think of sight fishing and good memories, I'd say, or great tournaments, it would be like Lake Champlain just because those smallmouth are easy to catch and super hard fighting, a lot of fun. So I would say that's probably a lake that stands out in my mind, you know, but sight fishing as a whole, I just absolutely love it, you know, and it's always playing some type of role if the fish are shallow, whether it's sight fishing, cruising bass, or it's actually sight fishing, bedding bass, but I try to incorporate it as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, Iran, I feel like those Champlain events, I know one of them like was, really heavily smallmouth on beds but that first toyota you won there it was smallmouth on beds and then a lot of those like cruising not on bed largemouth right yeah that is correct the uh, largemouth were kind of post-spawn they were kind of moving up to the bluegills trying to eat the bluegills and stuff so that was a kind of a 
I guess the, the winning fish with a largemouth that really pushed me over the top on that tournament. And then the following year, the smallies were spawning really heavy, and I weighed, I think, all smallmouth in that tournament. And all you had tw- a 20-pound average for smallmouth, too, which was, like, very – that was back when Champlain, like, 20-pound average was a really big deal, and it's not a thing anymore. Now it's like <laughs> we're just blowing that away apparently every year, but that was a huge thing. I remember that. Oh, I do, too. I remember just, like – it's incredible if you look at all the smallmouth fisheries in our country, whether it's the St. Lawrence River or, you know, like Champlain, how the smallmouth have just exploded in numbers, but also size. You know, it's just Champlain is just continuing to uh, get bigger and bigger smallmouth in there, and it's incredible. No doubt. Um, did, uh, I, I guess this is a question for everyone, but like, did all of you guys, have you always liked, fishing for bedding fish or fishing for fish you could see, or was that something that some of you like picked up later in life? Like you started out and you know, you would catch them however, uh, or was this something that like since day one walking the banks, like you would get fascinated by a fish on a bed. Well, I can jump on and tell you that one. I mean, I was a young kid, you know, fishing ponds and that kind of stuff, you know, and ride the bike to the neighborhood pond and, I'd actually climb the trees just so I could sit there and watch them bass cruise the banks and, you know, figure out which one I wanted to catch, you know, first. And obviously the taller you were, the higher up you were, the easier it was to see those fish, you know. But the first fish I caught out of the tree ended up breaking my rod trying to lift it over the cattails. So (laughs) 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 I would have to catch it from the the shore and not catch it from the trees, you know. But I have, you know, very fond memories of uh, just being excited by watching fish and observing fish. And it's always been a fascination of mine. Yeah, so Cox and I, we started uh, fishing Gemini Springs, you know, so the water was crystal clear. And there was a lot of days we'd go down there and wouldn't really catch much, but you just see giant, giant bass swimming everywhere. You know, we were sight fishing before we even knew, you know, yeah. how they spawned and things like that. Yeah, we didn't, so, we didn't know when they were sitting on those white spots what was going on. Yeah, we had no idea. Mm-hmm. We were like, they're just sitting there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we we took the long road. Yeah. yeah, that's probably like you too, Shaw. Right? Is that, did you live close to some of the springs and stuff? Or yeah, yeah, we would we would see them, and you know, back when when I was a youngster, uh, they said you couldn't catch them off of beds. You know, said so when they're on the beds, you can't catch them, and you can see them, but you can't catch them. Well, you know, when you're a kid and you don't catch a lot, and you have one sitting there you're willing to just piddle. I mean, you know, let's just keep throwing at him. And all of a sudden you catch him and you go, Whoa, you know, maybe, maybe we can do this. And, and then, and of course it's just wonderful because you're always throwing at something. You can see the actual fish. It's not like I'm throwing over here at a piece of brush and it may or may not have one. I know one sitting right there. And then you get to pestering them mm-hmm. and, and end up catching them. And then it turned into pretty daggum good living. <laughs> because <laughs> people were fishing for them, you know and so you know that was a that was a special thing when you could go into a tournament and you'd only have you know two or three guys that bed fished and that was really nice and, you know then you know middle of my career everybody was bed fishing by then you know 20 years ago they really got heavy on it so yeah huh yeah so yeah. i feel Go ahead, John. Oh, I was going to say, it's because you uh, taught us all, Shaw. It's all your fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you got – Guido taught me a lot, you know, Guido Hibden, and mm. and uh, he was a really, really stout bed fisherman. And it was pretty funny. The first time I got paired with him, we were at a, uh, I guess, super bass or whatever on the St. John's, and we ran to uh, down to Lake George and into uh, Salt Run, you know, and – so we're fishing crystal clear water because that's a big spring, salt springs there. And and uh, so, you know, I'd spot one over here. I had amazing eyes. I think I have 2010, you know, or better throughout my lifetime. And so, you know, I'd see one and I'd go throw at him with my worm, just like I'd done, you know, for for years and start to pester him, pester him. And, and then Guido would look over at me and said, are you done with that? <laughs> yeah, I guess. He'd take that little you know, gets it, the tube bait and fired over there and whack. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, but, <laughs> so yeah, I, I learned a lot about, you know, because back then 
you know, being young and not, not really have done much. You catch them when you just keep working them with a worm. And so then you learn about, you know, putting on a crawfish or a, a little tube or small stuff. And then, you know, maybe it's a big thing. Like I've been at Okeechobee where, you know, you'd have a big fish on bed, you know, a big female and you throw everything you got and they don't even look at it. And all of a sudden you pick up a 10 inch worm or big lizard. And nowadays it's a swim bait. You throw it and they just come unglued, you know? So it's always a process to trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to hit. What's uh, what's like the weirdest bait that you've ever caught a bed fish on? Huh. Huh. Cause you've uh, probably thrown the tackle box at some of them, right? You know, I, uh, you know, I've caught them on spinner baits, you know, where you like drop it and flop it in, the, in a bed. Um, you know, jigs, of course, are normal drop shot trying to think if there's anything really weird i i I don't know i mean about the you know i really no i really don't remember anything really strange you know what i mean yeah i feel like the spinner rate is up there that's not a common yeah it was uh (laughs) yeah that was actually a smallmouth, and he was on uh on a bed up there at st lawrence and and you know I, I just kept pestering him and uh, you'd throw the spinnerbait in there and then you'd twitch it and the blade would flop left right and then he'd hammer the heck out of it. I finally yeah. caught him so, or her. So that was fun. Huh. Oh, that, you, John? I probably, my, mine would have to be, uh, you remember the, uh, when the helicopter lure came out, it was just like a, <laughs> it was like a green, you know, it was like a chartreuse green prop, you know, like, and uh, I just remember throwing that out, you know, when me and Keith were down there at, at Gemini and, uh, you know, letting it, you know, spiral twisting my line into the, into the, like a white spot and end up catching a, you know, like a four or five pounder on. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I was like thanking my parents for getting it for me and everything when I got home. But I think that was the only bass. I ever caught on it. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. you're the only human being I've ever known that caught one on it. Yeah, that was that was the only one I ever caught. That was like the first day I tried it. And I was like, man, this thing is so good. And I never caught another bass on it. That's incredible. <laughs> Gosh, that is up there. Huh. Um, how have you guys seen like bed fishing change from when you started until now, or even in like the last few years, because Shaw, I guess you would have had a lot less pressure to now, I would say probably a lot of pressure. And I feel like, you know, I, I feel like there's way, there's a lot of spinning rod fishing involved in bed fishing now. And I don't know if that was always the case, uh, but it seems like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, like that wasn't the thing. Like, you would always read about how you had to put a white craw on and you were using 20 pound tests and stuff like that. When I won my first sight fishing tournament, it was at Rayburn and it was on a spinning rod. I think I had eight or 10 pound test line and I'm catching them back in the flooded bushes with it. And, uh, you know, I'd throw a tube bait over there and they'd eat it and you'd fight them. They'd run through the bushes and you're like, you know, please, please, please. And then they come back in the hole and you just keep fighting them and, and, uh, you know, end up landing them. Uh, so, you know, I, I wasn't throwing the big stuff much. It was a lot of little stuff and getting them to hit it. And so that's what I did, you know, and that's in the 86, you know, in that neighborhood, 86, 87 and, and in the early years. And then, you know, as things, people started fishing more bed and fish, that's when the, the white jig and those type of things really came on. So, um, back when I did it, we had a bunch of, you know, little natural things, you know, that I, I picked up from Guido and, and, uh, and that was in the eighties too, I believe. So yeah, it, it, um, it's evolved quite a bit now. And, you know, the old days, like I said, I would, the tournaments that I really, you know, did well in, and most of the ones that I won, I won early season. So before people, even people that wanted to bed fish, they would think it was too cold, too early, and they wouldn't do it. And I'd find, be looking for a warm pocket, a a protected pocket or a cove or canal or something 
that warmed up quicker and they were in there early and, and those things I, then I would hammer them and other people wouldn't even be sight fishing. So it was interesting. One of the tournaments that I spent at Rayburn looking so hard for warm water, uh, I, I didn't do very well in and, uh, Rick Clun crushed him and he got on stage and he caught this big old sack. He said, yeah, I spent most of my practice hunting for the coldest water I can find and uh, to find some some pre-spawn fish <laughs> i'm like i'm looking for the warmest water i can find <laughs> so so you know that's the awesome thing about bass fishing man it, it, there's never just one thing that works so uh, there's there's times when you're going to win them and you're going to do the right thing and everything's going to fall in place and then there's times when when you just didn't do the right thing and you know you had to had to try a lot of different things so but i man i love I love sight fishing. I love being able to see them. That's to me. And it doesn't matter. I, I had one that I thought I was going to win in a September tournament on Bugs Island. And there were so many up crews and shallow, just, and I called them wolf pack, big old schools of them. And if you get that tube in front of them, it was like, it looked like piranha coming after it. And then the weather turned to crap and all that. And I think David Fritz won it or something like that. Maybe, maybe, um, uh, Zell might have won it, you know, with a with a pop bar or something. But it was crazy how how many fish were up, and I said, I've got this thing hands down. Nobody's going to touch what I'm going to catch. And then the weather went to crud, and you couldn't see them, and it was windy, and you know how that goes. So, mm-hmm. T- tell me about this tube because you've been talking about a tube a bunch here. What was your what what was it that you were throwing? Well, it's a, you know, originally it was the gets it. It was a hand, hand done gets it that, uh, Bobby Garland made. And then Guido, uh, Guido started making them himself and, uh, you know, and cutting them so that you just dip a dowel, you know, like, you know, maybe two dips or three dips in the, you know, whatever color you got. And then you dip the, the head of it, maybe five or six more. So it makes the head, you know, let's say the body of it, like, two and a half three inches let's say it's a three inch body three inches of it has like six or eight dips in the plastic and your tail only has like two and then they sliced them with razor blades and cut the little tail so it's like a little octopus or squid or whatever and then we put a, a jig head inside it and throw it so it exposed hook and then um back in 86 seven somewhere in that neighborhood a buddy came to me about a, a worm hook, which was a, a kale style hook. And we played with that kale style. Cause he said, man, I never lose a fish, you know, just catch every one of them. And so we played with it and got it to where it would be perfect for tubes, perfect for worms. We came out with, it's called the high performance hook, uh, uh, Eagle claw made it. And, uh, it's, it was devastating on a tube and it had a little clip that would hold the, hold the tube on it so that it wouldn't, you know, you, and you could get really good penetration and I put a, a little weight inside it. And so it was, it was kind of a neat deal. Are you Texas rig it? And, you know, just caught the fire out of them. I remember one tournament we had, I think eight of the top 10 were all using HP hooks, which was really cool in BASS. So that was a fun deal. I think uh, I've got a buddy who still swears by that hook. <laughs> it's it's a killer hook. Yeah. Do they still make them? No, unfortunately. I think it was the L150. They uh, they quit making them. They make them now. It's called the TK190. It's a uh, trocar uh, hook, and it's got the barb on it. Doesn't have the clip. So the barb, which works very well, so you you have that same hook in a trocar that you can get and. Uh, you know, the barb holds the tube on really well and it holds other plastics on for flipping pitching and stuff like that. Ron, I know I've watched you catch a lot of fish on a darter and then we got a lot of like flukes and generals and things like that for John and Keith. Is there, do you think the, do you guys feel like the bait matters tremendously or is a lot of it more about like the individual fishermen? like knowing their bait and knowing how the fish tend to react to it. Cause it seems like there's not a ton of guys who like go sight fishing with necessarily the whole tackle box. Right. It's like a few standbys a lot of times. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, bait matters a little bit, you know, you fish where you're comfortable with, 
You know, the whole reason I was fishing a darter for those tournaments was just a tube would spiral and it'd fall. So I start off with a tube and spiral and have a hard time hitting the bed where a darter would fall straight down. And I've never been a drop shot guy, so that's why I kind of went to a ball head and a darter. But just in general, yeah, we all have our, our favorite kind of go-to baits. There's no, I don't think, real secrets out there. It's just knowing the uh, the fish and being able to read that fish that I think makes a difference on a, a great sight fisherman or just an average sight fisherman. Hmm. What? What do you think the deal is with reading a fish? Like, what's the best way to explain that or try to educate folks? Because you hear it a lot, and I feel like I am super capable of wasting a lot of time on fish because I think I can read them better on live scope than I can with my eyes, which is probably a ridiculous thing to say. So what what are some, like, ways to know what you're looking at and, like, get better at it? Because it seems like that's maybe the hardest part. Yeah, it's kind of hard to ex- explain. That's almost like a gut. You do it so much, I guess you develop a gut intuition and when that fish is ready to bite or what angle that she likes it at. You know, but it's just the fish will give you clues as you observe that fish, how she's positioned, you know, how she responds to the bait. You know, there's always just little little subtle clues that you'll kind of catch as you. The more you do it, the more you learn. And I guess for like all of us guys, like John and Keith and. Shaw, you just it comes like second nature. It's just you don't think about it. It just kind of like a you know, it's just kind of easy, I guess, as far as like a a habit. What I notice is uh, I get really stubborn, like on a lot of them, like where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can catch that one, and I will spend, uh, you know, it becomes almost personal with that fish. That's what I that's what I love it. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna spend the rest of my day until I catch this fish, and and it's like you know, some of those times I've come in with only two or three fish it's because I might've spent four or five hours on one of those fish um, and just not, you know, wasn't able to catch them or something happens. But uh, you know, I'm with you, Jody on, it is, it is hard to tell, like, cause they'll surprise you. Sometimes you'll think you're not able to catch that fish when you won't be paying attention. All of a sudden it runs in the bed and grabs your bait. You know, you just, uh, you just don't know on, on some of them and they're all different. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I think committing to it a hundred percent is what, uh, you know, has helped me have some really good days and some really bad days. It becomes personal when you, when you find that fish you want to catch, you know, whether you need that fish cause it's the right size or you just like Jonathan, the more time you spend on it, the more you just, I'm going to catch this fish, you know, it becomes mm-hmm. personal, you know, and it is hard sometimes to just, you know, leave that fish. Cause sometimes I say, as far as reading, I'll read that fish and go, no, she's not ready now, but you know, you, take that risk of leaving that fish for the next time to catch, come back an hour later and catch it on the first flip type deal. Yeah. So sometimes you know, it's just, it depends on what you got found or other fish you have found that you want to catch, I guess. I found one of those at, uh, at our tournament at Lake of those arcs this year, where I found about a six pounder and back over three cables, you know, way back in some stuff. And I, I fished her and fished her and fished her and she wouldn't pay attention to anything. And now you, you know, you, you know, you got to have this fish. It's a big one and you, you know, she's not ready, but it's going to happen. And then you're sweating. Should I leave it or should I just stick on it? And anyway, I left it and caught a couple fours and, and, uh, I was getting ready to leave the pocket and I said, I got to go check one more time. And I run over there and, and, uh, fire over, you know, two cables and, and, uh, jack her up and, I finally get her to jump the first cable and then get her into the second and can boat flip her out of the second into the boat. So yeah, it was pretty fun, but, it, but <laughs> I, I was worried because there were so many guys. I mean, you know, John was in the same, I think Keith was in the same area. We were all kind of bouncing through there and I'm like, dude, Cox comes around the corner. He sees that it's gone. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> So I, I didn't even know if I should leave it, but I did and, and, and got fortunate to catch it. It seems like, uh, being a little bit stubborn is really uh, a sight fishing trait. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, and it may be that you spend all the practice looking for them or looking for the warmer water, or it may be that you spend, you know, hours on a fish when maybe you shouldn't, but it ends up paying off on, you know, in the last two minutes or whatever. Like, have you guys ever felt like you've been really way too stubborn or do you usually know you know when to make <laughs> Shaw's Shaw's nodding. You you you've seen it. I, I, 
got a feeling we we all have. I, you know, I've had times just like John where I said I'm going to catch this fish and and uh, and just hunker into it and just keep going and keep going and keep going and then run out of time and you didn't catch it and and um, you know, but you knew that was the fish that would make the difference. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't just stop on a fish and go, okay, I'm going to catch it, but every now and then one will really get you and then, then it gets personal especially if it bites it and spits it and you're and you're just you're just you know trying to trying to get it done it's uh, it can be aggravating but uh yeah I've, I've had a few of those personal deals i i don't know if i've spent more than two hours on a fish but i know i've spent at least two hours on on one fish before keith what's yeah. the longest you've spent on a fish um in a tournament Longest I've spent probably four hours. Whew. But holy smokes! Yeah, how but big? I, not. Uh, it was like nine and a half. Nine and a half. I caught it. Yeah, but outside of a tournament, I've spent all day on fish just to, you know, like find a twelve pounder. Just I, actually, there's one time on Toho, I found one around twelve, and it wasn't ready at all. Making huge circles, you know, it'd come off the bed and it wouldn't come back for like a minute or longer sometimes. And I sat on that fish for like eight hours just to see, I just wanted to watch its process and learn and see if I could catch it. And I never caught that one. And I went back the next day and it was gone. I was like, man, you know, but uh, yeah, it was like, I think it laid its eggs overnight and just left uh, after that. But um, you know, I, I, I don't really mind sitting on them if I really believe I can catch them, you know, those ones that are spooky and they make big circles and, you know, for me, I just need to see that it's becoming more interested in my bait as as I'm fishing for it. You know, if the circles are getting smaller as it swims off the bed and things like that, and I'm noticing like, a, you know, positive, it's moving towards the right direction uh, in terms of time and catching it, uh, I can sit and wait it out and I know it's going to happen. You know, but those ones where they get more and more spooky as you fish for them, a lot of times it's good to just leave, but you know, like John said, you know, there's times they'll just race in the bed and eat it out of nowhere, you know, when you least expect it. So it's, it is hard, you know, Ron, Ron's right. You know, you just, you got to have gut instinct and judge it on the fly if you should stay or go, you know, and it, it can be difficult, but that's what makes it so exciting too. John, what's the longest you've spent on a fish? Oh gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the one at Harris Chain, I thought during the Bassmaster tournament, I thought it was like uh, I thought it was like a 15 pounder. It was like as long as my leg. And I found oh, it uh, the end of the day too, and I barely made the cut. And I was like, you know, what? I don't have a shot to win this thing. I'm staying on this fish all day, and uh, I think I caught it like four and a half hours in. And uh, when I grabbed it, I was so upset because I was like, ah, it's only a 10 pounder, you know. So he's like. <laughs> When I thought it was like going to be like a fifteen, and it ended up being like an eleven, but uh, but still, it was just skinny, you know. Probably if I caught it the day before, it would have been a lot bigger. But uh, that was probably one of the ones I spent the longest and actually caught. Uh, but one of the most memorable ones is when we were at Lake of the Ozarks, and I was going around day one. Uh, you know, didn't really practice much. Keith was kind of like, "Come down to this area." And uh, I'm catching them, and then you jump in the boat with me, and I'm like, I need one more nice four-pounder, you know, and I'll have over 20. And I roll up to this one, and I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just everything's going good, and I throw to it, and Jody's taking pictures, and and I and I get them on. I fight them all the way to the boat. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to have over 20. I get it in. It's hooked outside the mouth. Uh-huh. And uh, I quickly just dumped it back in. I don't even know. Did you even get a picture of it then? You might have I, took a picture. I'm, I probably did, but you, like, dumped it real fast. Yeah, I, I You caught it, it later, though, didn't you? Yeah, and then I dropped Jody off and got him out of the boat, came back, like, with the last, like, 30 minutes to go and fired over to it and caught it. You know, and that was my that was my fifth one uh, you know, called out like a small one. So that was, that was a pretty good uh, – that's when I kind of felt like things were going uh, – you know, it was like that, you know, when you're going to do really good, kind of things have to happen like that. You hear that, Keith? Mm-hmm. John was calling that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we talked about that. I, I said, man, I said, I wouldn't pass any of those spotted bass up. I, told, I, I did the same thing. I picked a couple up because it was so tough. Ron, and what's the, the longest? Day, I, I was catching everything. Yeah. <laughs> Ron, what's the longest you spent on one? Yeah, I can't recall. I'd probably say an hour, probably. 
you know. Wow. I'll take that risk to, uh, you know, we don't fish, you know, a lot of them big fish, like they're talking like in Florida up here as much. And so usually if you're fishing a small, it's a lot easier to catch. So than that, you know, you find that you catch it in the first couple of casts or the first five minutes type deal. But, you know, I've had a few down in Florida I've fished before where they're just not, like I said, not ready yet. And you can kind of tell that you're kind of wasting your time. You could catch it maybe, but you don't have enough fish in the box to keep you there. And so I'm usually one to make the decision based upon what I've got in my life. Well, kind of like to just decide how long I want to stay on it. You're a little more low risk than John and Keith for sure. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I just think they've had more opportunities to, to fish for them real great big fish like that, you know, which are worth, you know, cause that's how it is down South. You know, that one or two big female bites is what it takes to get done. That's most of your bag usually. Right. Yeah. Are there some big differences that you guys have noticed between sight fishing? Like smallmouth is a whole different deal, right? Or a big, a very different deal. But are there big differences between sight fishing in Florida and then sight fishing like in the middle of the country? You know, whether it's Ozarks or Virginia or, you know, those like those sort of not Florida lakes. Because Florida is, to me, it's a bit of a different ball game. The spawn's really spread out, right? The, you've got a lot of grass. You've got really flat lakes. And then these other things, a lot of them are like pocket-based and things like that. Like, do game plans change or the fish? Do the fish behave differently? Go ahead, John. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think they do. I mean, I, I think what happens in Florida, just like you said, the spawn's so spread out that I think you have some fish that, you know, will spawn in like January, they'll come back in in March, you know, and then you'll have your late. So you're, you're actually uh, in Florida, you're fishing for some spawning fish that have probably been caught off the bed already that year. Um, you know, cause you, you, you see your like those 10 pound fish in the beginning of the year. And then as the spawn goes on, uh, I just don't think they fill up as much, you know, or they don't get as much eggs or whatever it might be. And, uh, and you know, so those fish are seeing a lot of baits, you know, and, uh, and I think that's why it gets kind of, um, yeah, I wouldn't say, I, I guess it gets kind of tough. You get a lot of fish that are already caught, you know, that might, this might be their second or third time up to the bed. Um, compared to when we go to, uh, further up North, I feel like you get a lot more bigger waves, uh, kind of going back on like Shaw saying when, when, when they all caught those big stringers at Toho, it was so cold, you know, up to that point, And then a huge wave came, you know, I think that's kind of what happens when you get further North, you get a lot of bigger waves. Like I didn't believe that uh, until we went to Beaver Lake that one year and they were like, they were on the beds last week. And then we got there and there wasn't a fish anywhere. Even like, it was like, they all disappeared, you know? So it was, uh, so it does, I think it does go a little bit, uh, I don't know, quicker, but I think you, uh, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I think about it. What do you guys think? You know, I'm kind of the, the, I think, you know, bed and fish, bed and fish. And, you know, I've caught them in pretty much everywhere. And um, I haven't really noticed, you know, they still protect, they still do the thing. But probably the hardest thing is, is when you get to another lake is sometimes the bottom colors different, the, you know, where they're spawning, you have to figure it out and figure out what it looks like. And once you do that, once you figure out like, okay, that's, you know, I got a bed and that's what they look like. And you start reproducing that and looking for it, then, then it, it happens and falls in place, but pretty much the fish is a fish. I mean, I've caught them in Washington state and California and, you know, a lot of States in between and they, they all just kind of act like Florida fish, but I, I do agree the waves. I remember the first time I went up to Minnetonka, I'm going, dude, I'm going to crush them. It's perfect spawn time. We're going to kill them. And, and uh i get up there and there i couldn't even find a bass on a bed it's like they all the beds were clean they had come in they made that big wave come in and they were gone and i'm like this is crazy you know i i I should be killing them and no so i agree that up north it seems like their spawn season is you know may may go from like a two or four week period um that's what they have up north and florida literally i I've caught them in Okeechobee at late October spawning and I've caught mm-hmm. them on 4th of July weekend. So now and that's up here, you know, in the, in Northern Florida, but so you're talking, they spawn. Oh my goodness. I mean, almost every month, you know, you probably only have what, you know, 
three or four months that you don't, or, you know, so that you don't have spawners or potential to find a spawner in Florida. Mm -hmm. Florida's like another animal. Yeah. You know, this, this place is crazy. Yeah. How, how long they spawn. I, and I'm like that too, John. And I think we've caught them from just like you said, October into June and July on the bed. You know, it's, it's unreal, you know, but our water temperature fluctuates a lot too. We've got those springs and stuff, you know, that hold that 69 to 72. So yeah, that really keeps them spawning, you know, late in the year. That stuff yeah, that's where difference. I found a, that, that one in 4th of July weekend was that in the spring. Wow. And, uh, so then you have uh, Okeechobee. I actually had them in early June in Okeechobee. I'm like, that can't happen. And they were all laid out at Tin House, man. I, I went into Tin House. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, and my dad's looking at him. He was practicing with me. And he's like, oh, why? And I said, Dad, <laughs> you know, there was, yeah. nobody was back inside looking. Everybody was out in the grass, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like looking at fish. It was like funny as heck because he'd catch one and, and like, you know, wouldn't be quiet at all. And I'm like, you can't do this. <laughs> you know? uh <-huh. laughs> Pretty funny. So. <laughs> Gosh, that's a, uh, how about uh, you, Ron? Cause you're a Northern guy, but you've also like, I think when you won at Smith mountain, you were sight fishing. You, you've had an opportunity to sight fish, like at a lot of different events and you've got that, the Northern roots. Do you feel like it's the same just with waves essentially, or is it, does it line out different to you? No, it's for us. It's definitely a, a the springtime window, you know, on the calendar, when those fish get to that water temperature, our temperature, that water's obviously gets iced over, you know, there's no spawning going on. And then as the spring approaches, that water gets into that, you know, high fifties, low sixties, those fish are, you know, into that full spawn mode. Then next, you know, it's in the seventies, those fish are done. Um, we will get uh, some weird mock spawns, you know, kind of like where you get like a, even in the fall time, sometimes in those Northern lakes where you'll get a full moon, and in the fall, that water temperature is dropping back into the 60s, and you go up in the shallow rock flats and find fish on beds. Now, I've never seen them actually garden fry doing that, but I'm sure they probably might spawn still. But, you know, I'm always looking for that chance to catch a fish off a bed. I remember, like, I think it was like Wachita or something. You know, you could go fish the lake part of it, you know, and it was warm. And then you go up by the dam, and the water was really cold, and those fish were still kind of trying to spawn, like, you know. Oh, that was uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, the cup, Hamilton, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, to see like that situation is kind of like, kind of neat. You always got to keep in the back as a sight fisherman. You're like, Ooh, maybe I can find some spawning fish, you know? So, I mean, I think it's like, we're all like us shallow, you know, sight fishing guys. You know, the big thing is there's so many guys that have followed suit of Shaw, like growing up watching Shaw fish and get excited by it and that kind of stuff. And I can't imagine like jumping in a tournament and being like two or three guys only sight fishing in a bed and turn yeah. that, that, that epic, you know. And I mean, now you know, you know that you're sharing, you know, those fish with you know the next mm -hmm. guy. So you have to find those fish the guys don't see as well. You find them a little deeper, you know. But now with the forward facing sonar, that kind of stuff coming out, you know, the guys are getting better with those now. Find those fish you can't see as well. Yeah, I I do. Uh, I, I feel like one thing we've seen a little bit at the Harris chain in particular, and I'm sure it applies to other places, but now sometimes I've heard that like day one of practice, you'll see a lot of fish on beds. It'll be good. You can go in the canals and then by the final day of practice or the tournament, like so many people have gone in and out of the canals to look for these fish that like it'll be churned up and the fish will be all shell shocked. Is that like a thing that you've seen where there's a lot more pressure than there used to be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, you know, when guys start winning on spawning fish, then guys are going to, you know, try doing that. And so I like those events, like Shaw said, where they're not spawning yet. You maybe see a few little beds, you start seeing a sign like they're coming, and then during the tournament, they all show up. And that's, you know, that's kind of the ideal. Dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, well, We've spent about an hour here, and I really appreciate it. I definitely have a couple more things I want to get to. One being, have any of you guys messed around with using, you know, your forward-facing for spawning fish? Because that was a thing in uh, in 2023. Like, that that played for a few guys. It played at Santee. 
John, I'm assuming you haven't. <laughs> but is anyone else here? <laughs> I did put it on the boat when uh when we were doing some alligator hunting and I was uh I had put it on uh, the scout mode or whatever and uh it it was mind blowing. I mean from the second I put it in the water, seeing the fish, I put it in the water right at the boat ramp just to see if it it was working. And I could see fish coming up to me, turning around, swimming away. Um, and I can see it really playing. I just, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing, hanging out where I'm at for right now and see what happens. He's such a stud. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. That's it. I mean, you know. Dude, you're like, you kill everybody. <laughs> no, I, I just don't. Like, I don't. I, I might not catch anything with it. I don't know. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, I, I, you know, I use forward facing a lot for fishing and and gator hunting and everything else. Uh, I I love it. I just see it's fascinating, and I I think it's one of the greatest things to happen to fishing. So, you know, I'm I'm using active target too, and dude, I mean, catching specks. And we're here in Florida, which is crappie everywhere else, and and um, and just like I said, even gator hunting and all, it's it, bass fishing. You watch them go down on your bait, and it's so fun. Um, but I haven't, I haven't done it on those deep water spawners, you know. And mm-hmm. really, Ron would be more, you know, like Champlain. Ron would be more in that that type area. We, where we're at, you know, most of our spawners happen pretty shallow, and so. But I really haven't spent that much time. But I. I definitely will. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm using it all the time. Now I'm not focusing on it when I'm sight fishing, I'm looking. So, um, but if I scan out and I see a big female laying offshore, there could be a little male close, you know, that's, and I, I see a lot of that happening. So that's probably the way I'll use it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the active target and I love using the, you know, the active target, you know, it's, it gives you so much feedback as to what's going on, you know, below you. It's incredible. Like you said, whether you're spec fishing or bluegill fishing or anything, you know, it just shows you a lot, you know, but I truly enjoy using my eyes to sight fish for them. You know, that's just what gives me the, the most excitement or reward for catching a bass. You now, as we all try to survive the tournament game, you have to evolve a little bit, except for John Cox. He can just stay the old John Cox and survive, you know, but, I'm definitely going to add that into my arsenal as you we need like the Cooper and that kind of stuff. We, if it can be a tool I can use, it, I will use it, you know, but I definitely find the joy in just a big, you know, sunglasses and a, you know, good old fashioned way. Well, we have to change a word there, Ron. He doesn't survive. He thrives. He th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that if we made John fish without motors and he could only use like a paddle or a push pole, I think he'd still that, probably win a tournament every year. That's, that, I posted that on my story. I'm like, what boat should I use or canoe? And everybody picked the canoe. <laughs> now take away his sunglasses. I don't know. You know? No, no, I'd be useless without them sunglasses. <laughs> hey, speaking of that though, do you guys have like, I know, do you guys have like, as far as seeing fish, one, do any of you guys need corrective lenses or are all of you like top of the line, perfect vision? Cause I wear contacts. I've stood next to Ron on the front of a boat and been like, you see what? (laughs) Um, but so like, is your eyesight already perfect? And then also what are your go-to sunglasses and like colors of lenses and stuff like that? Like how can other people see better? Uh, my start. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. So, um, you know, I use striking lenses and uh, striking glasses. They they used to have a lens called the cloud lens, which was yellow. And yellow, what happens with your yellow amber lens is they collect light, so they make things brighter. But what that does is define detail. So you can see really small, like little pebbles. And and what that helps you is if you see movement, you know, any type of tail movement, fin movement, and movement of fish you get to see it so you know i'm a a big fan of that they quit making that but they just now uh, at icast introduced them and i just got them uh like you know just two or three days ago i got some of the new lens 
and I forget what it's called, but it's an amber lens. So you can look, you can look it up on online. Uh, it's the brand new lens from Strike King, and and it's fantastic. I mean, just you, so you can see everything, and that's that's what I do. So that's what I use. Is your vision still like your distance vision still perfect, or distance do you have to wear close up? I gotta have cheaters, but distance is still pretty good. You know, I'm uh, obviously I'm you know an old guy at 67 and uh you know i'm only five six months off for turning 68 so uh i'll be um you know my my distance site is still good still okay but it's not what it was i mean you know i think i could go to the the chart and probably get 2020 on both eyes you know on a chart but what i used to have you know 20 2010 25 stuff like that is just where you could pick out something you know a long long ways away and see it perfectly clear and that's what i used to have and and it was fun and so you know i right now even though my eyesight is pretty good it's it's definitely not what it was keith yeah um my eyesight is starting to go i'm 36 and <laughs> yeah i could see 2020 for all my life and i think about two years ago it's I haven't been to the doctor, but, uh, you know, it's maybe it's 30 over 20 or something if I had to guess now. And so I'm already thinking about, uh, the LASIK surgery, you know, I want to see if they can get it to like five over, you know, 10 over 20 or something, you know, improve it a bunch, you know, you want to get <laughs> Superman eyes. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? You know, but uh, I'm Scroggins. Scroggins did that. He had that done and, and man, he like sees, he sees awesome. So yeah. Wow. You get to do that. Do the Scroggins surgery, man. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I want yeah. really good laser vision. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. What do you wear for sunglasses? I wear Fenors and I'm with Shaw. I like the amber lenses. The, the lighter lenses lets more light in. I can see better. You know, I've done a lot of testing with, you know, different color lenses and the lighter the color lens, the better I can see the fish. Um, so it's anywhere in that amber copper area, you know, th those are those are good lenses for me. Do you ever get headaches? Every time I like, <laughs> if I fish in Florida like all day long with yellow lenses, I'll get like a killer headache. If I wear brown lenses, I'm fine. Yeah, and yeah, and... I get headaches almost every day. <laughs> That's because you don't drink enough water. Uh huh. That's what you always yeah. tell me. You're not drinking enough water, John. Yeah. <laughs> Stop taking the goodies. It actually helps. The more water you drink, the less headaches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess I'm a little different. I like. I used to be able to see really well, and now you know, as time goes on, I can't see that well. But uh, I used to be a huge fan of the amber lenses and stuff, and I still do wear them if it's uh, like really cloudy or uh rainy or whatever um but like i almost get to where uh i see stuff i don't want to see stuff that's going to lead me uh astray you know like either see a fish that you know that i wouldn't normally see uh with you know a regular like uh black lens or you know i like like blue mirror green mirror um but i feel like when i wear those it just allows me to see just enough of what i need to see to be able to catch that fish instead of like you know chasing these fish that you know i might just catch a glimpse of the tail or you know something that uh you know and just and just just kind of leads me astray sometimes you know so i uh i kind of stick more with the the you know ones where it's not so bright but uh we need to get you some blinders too so you yeah, can see know, like just I a get, little bit of the water I get distracted <laughs> super easy on things and i go like oh there's you know there's you know it's just i don't know but uh and it's funny, the ones I've been wearing uh, are loophole glasses, and it was my friend picked me up, Cody, uh, to take me to lunch one day, and he had them in his truck, and I put them on. I'm like, man, these things are great, and I wore them uh, to the Classic that week, and uh, I was just blown away. Like, I wasn't sight fishing, but I was, like, seeing, like, little logs and stuff under the water, you know, that I was running my crankbait by, and uh, and I've been wearing them uh, ever since then. <laughs> you stole them? Yeah, I stole like that pair, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Cody, if you're wondering where that pair went. <laughs> Ron, how about you? What's the game plan? 
me, I like to start with a, you know, I'll, I'll change lens throughout the day just because of lighting conditions change. I do want to see on the offset, John, I want to see everything because, you know, fish is a fish and if it's there, I want to see it, you know, and so I'll use like a yellow lens in the morning at really low light, you know, or an evening tournament, but then I'll go to that amber, you know, the, the brown lens or, you know, in the midday full sun, you know, um, was, uh, you know, running some Costas and different Strike King. Well, I had like a collection of glasses, you know, and some old Solar Bat, you know, and now I'm kind of making that switch over to Bahijo. You know, they make a fantastic uh, pair of glasses. Good. What about your eyesight? Yeah, is it is your eyesight still top notch? <laughs> I won't lie to you. I'm getting older too. I'm you know be 49 here in the spring, and you know the last two or three years you can start. I'd be like, Shaw, I need those teeter glasses at some point up close, maybe, but. For the most part, I'm really happy with my eyesight still. I feel like I can see what I need to see. You know, it's I'm blessed. I mean, I get guys in a boat, you know, I'll see this fish, you know, cruising by or on a bed. Like, I don't see that fish. And I'm like, how could you not see it? You know, I just, I guess, take that for granted and not realizing that I see stuff that guys just don't see. Yeah. Shaw knows now because Shaw's got to wear some glasses sometimes, but you guys have no idea how lucky you are not to have to deal with like corrective lenses it's oh, like I I'm lucky. Yeah, it's I amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. i remember oh. in high school i got glasses and i was like holy smokes leaves have tree or trees have leaves like, <laughs> i thought they were just blurry and green <laughs> wow <laughs> so you're uh you guys are wow. living life <laughs> um all right well we've done this for an hour it's been super cool i don't i could see us doing this again honestly i really enjoyed it i thought it i need to put it all together and post but i think it could be really good um but is there anything you want to you want to leave folks on um whether it's a, a really good story whether it's like just you feel like it's a tip or something we really should have covered or anything else that we should hit here you guys are the experts don't um, go sight fishing. Get active target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get off I, I the just, thing. Yeah, yeah get I off just the want thing. more uh, old tournament stories. I want to. I want. I want. We. I want to sit back down. I want to uh, have Shaw just go through them all, and <laughs> you know, it'd, it'd be really Save cool. Save it for the archives. Yeah. 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 Well, I think what's cool about like sight fishing, you know, is one of the, you know getting the kids started fishing you know i my roots as sight fishing was all my childhood you know it was one of my fondest memories was you know before i actually fished for you know fish was actually just seeing fish and so you know you can always start off with a cheap pair of sunglasses for a kid to go to the pond and, and see fish and get them hooked on fishing you know so i think it's kind of uh, my roots was just i'm so glad that you know i was able to get into sight fishing and enjoy you know that passion of it yeah, and maybe climb a tree that is not super tall so you don't die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a I think that's a really good point about like how you can get into it early, right? And it's obviously from a tournament perspective it got trendy, right? And maybe now it's not as trendy as it used to be. But it's like I remember fishing fishing my pond like it was the like I would get excited for when I could fish for a bass on a bed, even though they were like 12 inches long, you know, they were not big fish. And it was like, I was fired up to be able to go bed fish because that was when you could watch them, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like clear water sight fishing, being able to see a fish and try to present the bait in front of them and watch them react to it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just fascinating. I mean, just think it, you know, when I was a kid, we had silver Springs here. It was a huge, huge attraction, you know, like kind of like Disney world is now. That's what they were. They were the Disney world before Disney was around and people would come because you could get in a boat that had a glass bottom and see the fish and the alligators and all the cool stuff. Everybody loves that. I mean, it's like you're swimming with the fish, you're in the water with them. And that's, that's kind of what it is about, you know, sight fishing, man. You, it, it combines hunting, it combines fishing. You're looking for them, trying to find them, trying to present the bait. And, and, um, and to me, it's just a, a fascinating challenge and just 
you know, one of the coolest things, you know, I don't, I'm not judging that fish, you know, like, I, I don't know when I pitch a worm in or a jig into a treetop, I don't know what size fish I'm going to uh, get. But when I'm sight fishing, it's like I'm going to Publix and I'm going to pick out the ones I want. I can go over here. There's an eight pounder here and a seven pounder there. And I think I'll hit the eight first and then I'll go to the seven. And then I got two fives over here. And that's the way you go rather than go fishing, you know, and that's, that to me is really, really cool. Um, well guys, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Um, I guess, uh, hang on the line here real quick. I'm going to hit end on the recording and, Stuff we'll have to upload a little bit, I think. But thanks a bunch. It's uh, been super cool to do this, and I think it actually worked out for our first try. Hey. Wow. Wow. Oh, nice. That so much better without Rod. Oh, That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible.